This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. morning. I'll say it again. Good morning. Great. I thought it was going to get hostile in here. Okay, come on. She's my right-hand man, my number one intercessor, and so she's such a great person to hang out with. And uh, we met on the elevator? No, in church. Okay, there we go. It's a joy to be here with you, and um, she's going to greet you, and she's going to pray for me, and then we're going to see what God wants to do. To these beautiful pastors and to the group that we met in the room, the intercessors, it was just a blessing. And I said to Wendy on the way out of there to go, uh, to come back here, I mentioned to her that the Lord spoke to me this morning, and he gave me two little phrases. And I I felt like they were for you here. There was going to be new sunlight, S-U-N, and S-O-N. And what he said, that there's going to be a brightness and a glow in this house that you've never seen before. And the presence of Jesus was going to be so alive that he is going to actually walk through this congregation. There'll be times that you won't even be able to preach the word because the presence is going to be here in such a profound way. So open your hearts for the new light and the new sun. Hallelujah. Father, it's my honor and pleasure to pray for my precious husband, a man that I've been married to for almost 50 years, and I'm excited to be his partner. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're going to release through him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the word that's necessary for each one of us today. And I pray that as we hear the word, we will receive it and then begin to do it. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, honey. Amen. Hallelujah. It's all about the kiss. That's really what we just (laughs) tried to get her up here and get that done. Well, it's great. I have a lot to say. And so I won't say it all, but as Britney Spears said to her second husband, I won't keep you long, all right? (laughs) So, the worship team, um, where are you guys? You were so good. Mean guitar, that is beautiful. I love the 
I love the butterfly song, but there's another butterfly song that we used to sing in the early days of the charismatic renewal, and it came from children's ministry. And um, many times when you can't get older people to do what they ought to do in worship, you get young people or kids to do it first, and you say to the older people, do what the kids are doing. And so I found that childlike things get older, mature, elderly, ancient people to do the thing that they ought to do, that Jesus wants us to do it. When you talk about um, where we've been and what's taking place in the world around us, it's just interesting to realize how much has changed over the years. In just a few months, we've become accustomed to a lot of things. And uh, and I think one of the things that I've learned, just to share a couple of things that I've learned. In 2019, I was told to stay away from negative people. In 2020, I'm now told to stay away from positive people. <laughs> the world's upside down. Old folks are sneaking out of the house and their kids are yelling at them to stand doors. <laughs> My kids have tried to say, Dad, don't go anywhere. I say, honey, I, that's what I do. I go. Um, every few days, try your jeans on just to make sure they fit. The virus has done what no other woman could do. Cancel sports, shut down bars, and kept in at home. I've had to practice social distancing from the refrigerator. Do you know, today, something that people would have never thought to say is that I wouldn't touch her with a six-foot pole, and now that's the standard of life, six feet, and it's a, it's a national policy. And then the last thing I love is this. I, as a person of color, can walk into a bank with a mask on and ask for money and get it and leave without going to jail. Life is that way. I want to share something that has been helpful to me. Someone once asked me, how did you guys do it? How do you do it? And, and of course, my wife and I, in September of 2018, we will be married September 18th this year. We will be married 50 years. And um, it's amazing, it is. <clears throat> And so um, there are several things that I can share with you re relevant to that. One of them is that um, we've never discussed divorce, but the word murder has come up several times. <laughs> and, uh, and I won't say who used it more often than the other person, but it's one of the steals. But someone described covenant like being in a boxing ring. You can do everything but get out. And so... Uh, We've been in covenant, and we don't ever argue. We never, never argue, and I say that with all sincerity. 
but we have had some incredible, intense times of fellowship. And so uh, you can put that wherever you want to put that. But someone asked me, he said, and there are a number of people who are quitting. And, uh, and wh- how is it that you have stayed the course? I started preaching when I was 14. And um, so I've been doing it for a while. And there are some other things that I've been doing for a while as well. All of them weren't all that good, but I want to say, and I want to share with you some thoughts about why and how we were able to stay, and I want to talk about staying power. Staying power. Um, Jim Rohn made a statement. He said, discipline weighs in ounces, regret weighs in tons. That the ability to discipline yourself, while it may take some moment in your life, it will never take up the kind of time that regret takes. And so let's talk about some essential principles for staying power. And I'm going to read several things that have meant a lot to me. One of them is this. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Or put it in the words of Heidi Baker, Bishop, if you don't quit, you win. And the need to stay the course is so important for us. And so let me read this passage from Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It's from the Passion Translation. You guys read Passion Translation? So it's okay here? All right, some, some people have a real challenge with the Passion Translation. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance godliness, and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters, and to mercy toward others adds unending love. Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved, Be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, this is written by a person who did stumble. And sometimes I tell people, Experience is not the best teacher. The best teacher is someone who has had the experience and will tell you so you don't have to have the experience. Although someone says, while experience is not the best teacher, it's the only school a fool will attend. So sometime you've got to just say, okay, you need to have the experience. And when people have the experience and they don't like it, they come back and they say, 
Now, what would you do? Peter failed. He didn't think he would, but he failed. And so here is a man who failed miserably, but is able to say, I'm going to share something with you. And if you do this stuff, you will never stumble. He could have said, like I did. But I want to hear from someone. Good judgment comes from experience. Bad judgment gives you experience. So let me just share. Someone said, how did you stay? And so let me give you several things. Can I see the clock? Okay, where am I? Can you tell me where I stop? And I'll stop right in the middle of it. Right at that point. Okay, good. Is that 11.45 today or this evening? <laughs> All right. Okay. Number one, number one, stay in his presence. You need staying power. Tell the person, say, we need staying power. Tell the person next to you, say, you need staying power. My wife has staying power, and her staying power means when she starts a project, she will stay with it until it's done. I tell her we can always finish it tomorrow, but there's something in her that says, I started it, and I'm going to finish it. She's fin she's, in fact, she's actually finished painting a bedroom for our daughter after she fell and broke her arm, went to the hospital, put it in a cask, and went back and painted some more. Uh, staying power. Paul was stoned, and they thought he was dead, dragged him out of the city. The disciples prayed over him. Paul got up, went back into the city, and said, I had one more point that I wanted to make. So staying power. <laughs> you need staying power. You need staying power. So stay in his presence. Listen to these two passages of scriptures, please. I think the most important thing for us is intimacy in fellowship. Someone calls it into me see. When I am with Jesus and Jesus is with me, the more I am with him, the more he tells me what he sees. When I don't want to hear what he sees, then I go somewhere else. I'll go to a movie, I'll turn on the television, but ultimately you're going to have to come back and get it. Intimacy, staying in his presence. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mark 3, 14. I love this passage, and I don't know if you guys can see it. Do you put the scriptures on the screen or any stuff like that? Because I'm not seeing them. Who's in charge there? <laughs> Mark 3, 14. He appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. He appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Your relationship with him is more important than your assignment. Jesus doesn't want to hang out with us just for hanging out. But the purpose is, I want them to be with me. And then he says, and that he might send them out to preach. Many people will spend more time preaching than they will with him. 
you'll do more with him when you only have a few moments than you will if you take all day preaching or preparing to preach and spending no time with him. Catherine Kuhlman used to say it like this, if you only have 10 minutes, if you only have 10 minutes to pray, spend nine of those minutes in worship. To spend some time in the presence of God, become accustomed, stay in his presence. Somebody say it, please. Stay in his presence. And then as I was growing up, beginning to preach, one of the older guys in our church, uh, he said to me, he said, boy, I said, sir, he says, do you want to be a preacher? And I said, yes, sir. And he held his Bible up and he said, then put your face in this book and keep it there. And I began to understand how important the Bible is. Seminary professor who, who talked about preaching said to his class one day, he said, I want to share with you two things about preaching. First of all, whenever you preach, preach as though it's your last opportunity to preach that message. He said, and secondly, when you're preparing a message, it'd be good to have a Bible around. When you're getting ready to preach a message from the Bible, it'd be good to have a Bible around. All right, so maybe you guys just kind of, I'll do this. When I think it went over your head, I'll just kind of do like that, and you'll say, well, what did he say? All right. Stay in his word. Listen to Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. If you esteem your food more, your natural food more than you do this, then you're missing out on what God has for you. Do you ever notice in, in, uh, in Genesis 39... The the Bible says when Potiphar turned everything over to Job, the only thing he didn't turn over to Job was his concern for food. Only the food on his table. He says, Joseph, you got everything, but the food, that's my deal. People who are only concerned about eating have other issues, and I won't mention fat, all right? Oh, I did, but I didn't mean to say that. Some... Psalm 119, verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. I was in Bible college, and uh, I was standing in the bookstore, and I'm looking at all of these books, and I'm, I'm excited because I am in heaven. Books, books, bibliophile. And so I'm standing there, and one of the professors came up behind me, and he said, Brother Garlington, he said, you'd be amazed at how much light the Bible sheds on all those books. We think the books shed light on the Bible, but the Bible sheds light on the books. We say, examine the word, but here's what I discovered. You're, You're not just examining the word, but the word is examining you. When you're reading it, it's talking to you. Have you ever read something in the Bible and you said, I never saw that before, and there it is. And you can read it again, and you'll say the same thing about the same verse because it's a treasure. The Bible is the most important book 
in history. It's the oldest book in the world whose author is still alive. There's a, there, I tell, there's a joke I tell my wife all the time. We, in fact, yesterday they put our coffee in a thermos on the table. And, uh, and I said, you know the old story about the thermos bottle, right? She says, two guys are talking. What's the most important invention in the world? And the one guy says, television. He says, well, I think that's good. He said, well, what do you think? He says, the thermos bottle. He said, how is the thermos bottle the most important thing in the world? He said, you can put hot things in it and they stay hot. And you can put cold things in it, and they stay cold. He says, so what? He said, but how do it know? (laughs) I had an argument or intense fellowship with her one morning, and I went and opened my Bible, and there it was. And I said, how do it know? This is not static. This is dynamic. This is not just paper. This is spirit. This is truth. This is reality. It has the answer for every problem. It addresses all of the issues, and it doesn't apologize for the truth that it knows. And so when people talk to me, well, what about cancer culture? I said, answer's in here. What about, hyper, uh, what about critical race theory? Answer's in here. What about lives movement? Whatever that live is, it's all in here. And when you're trying to deal with something apart from in here, you struggle with it. When Saul said to David, here, take my armor and go and fight Goliath. David says, I have improved your armor. Let me work with something I know works. And we're trying to fight, we're trying to fight the Goliaths with Saul's armor when God is saying, I've got something better than that. This Bible, this word, this gospel is the, the power of God. It is the power of God. Somebody say that. It is the power of God. My mentor told me one day, he says, if it's the power, then there's no greater power. There is no the-er power than the Bible. And when I was in seminary, I discovered that in seminary, they teach you what other people said about what other people said about what other people said about what other people said. And all you had to do was repeat that and you can get an A. I don't want to know what other people say. I want to know what what is God saying? What does God say about your issue? Stay in his word. Say it, please. Stay in his word. Churches are failing because they are no longer preaching this. They're preaching good ideas. They're preaching health. They're preaching motivation. But look, nothing can motivate you like this. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to go to hell. That'll motivate you. Amen, somebody. Stay in his word. Stay in his word. Read the Bible. Read on, read on, read on, read on. Read on, read on, read on. Read on, read on, read on, read on. Read on, read on, read on. And then read. Get it in your spirit. God cannot bring to your memory something you never put in it. 
He will stir up. He will give you his pure words. But if you're not reading the scriptures and you find that there's something else that's out there that you're reading that has greater interest to you than the scriptures, you have no problem understanding why failure is the case in many churches. D.L. Moody said it like this. He said, this book will keep you from sin. He said, and sin will keep you from this book. So if you're not reading the Bible, ask yourself why. And then get one that has paper in it. You know, this, I got a Bible in here and I got one in here, but it's this one that makes me feel like I'm secure. Yes, yes. And you can underline in it too. And write in the margins. And when you forget the part that you were, you can say, well, when I was reading it, it was over here on this side of the page. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not too many Bible readers here. A lot of people don't read the Bible. And I'm saying to you, Christians need to get familiar with their armory. Stay in his word. I could spend a lot of time there. Stay in his word. Stay in lockstep. Stay in lockstep. I don't know if you ever heard the story of the two parents who were watching their son walking in the parade in Philadelphia. He's all of his military guys. And she said to her husband, look, everybody's out of step but Junior. I can tell when people are walking with the Lord and when they're not. Here's what the scripture says, Amos 3.3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can they? And here's my favorite verse for this point. Numbers 14.24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. He has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb followed him fully. He walked with him. He was in agreement with him. Where there is agreement, there is power. Where there is agreement, there is power. When two are touching and agreeing, you can be out of sync in a number of ways, but the moment you decide to come into agreement, and the best person to come into agreement with is Jesus. And we put a lot of emphasis in the prayer this morning and the prayer time. We were emphasizing Jesus, Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about anybody else. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the guests. It's not about the babies. It's about Jesus. If you can't say, I had an encounter with Jesus, then you got to ask, well, what else did you do in church? What's the point in coming together? We don't come together to say, hey, what's up? What's up? Did the pirates win? Did the Steelers win? No, that's not why you're here. They're not going to be here that long. Walk with him. The thing that I love about this passage, when it says they were in lockstep, he chose three that they would, could be with him. Later on, when Jesus is gone, the Bible says the Pharisees, the doctors of the law, the scribes, they were observing that the guys who had followed Jesus were not professional, but they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Can you tell when people have been with Jesus? Or can you tell when they've been in other places? Stay in lockstep. Look at Genesis 24, 27. Now, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do this. I need you to read the story. 
the, the story is very important because I don't have time to fill this out. But Genesis 24 backstory is this. Abraham at 175 years old, he said to his servant, I got to find a, a bride for my, my son and I need you to go and get him. And here is what I want you to do. I don't want you to go here. I don't want you to go there. I want you to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. And I want you to put your hand under my thigh and swear that you're going to do it. And so the servant did. And God led him to the right person at the right time. It's kind of like, hey, God, I am in serious trouble because I just made a deadly oath with Abraham and I can't go back on that and I need you to come through and here's what I want you to do and here's his prayer. He says, I want you to confirm a decision that I'm making without asking you to tell me what the decision is. I'm asking you to let me go pick out a lady and pick out the lady that you want to marry my my master and then I want to say to her, give me some water and I want her to say to me, I'll give you some water and are those your ten candles and can I water them for you and then I will know that that's the right person. <laughs> and it happened just like he prayed. Just like he prayed, walked up to Rebecca. Rebecca's standing there, and she's watering, and he walks up to her. He says, may I have some water? She says, sure. Are those your tin camels over there? He said, yes. Would you like me to water them? Yes. And she does. Ten camels, one camel can consume 20 gallons of water. She's offering to water ten. Have you ever said may I do this for you? And then realize, what happened to you? Why did you say that? Have you lost your mind? He's got 10 camels there. But she's already out there. And he's watching her. And then when he finds out she's the girl that belongs to the guy that's going to be the... He says, and here's the verse he says. Listen to it. Blessed the... Be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. The King James Bible is the only one that has this phrase, and so I chose to use this translation. And here's the phrase, I being in the way. I being in the way the Lord led me. Some of us want to be led but we don't want to get into the right way to be led. We don't want to get in a path. There is a way that seems right, but that way is destruction. There are moments in my life when I could have been in the way if I had listened to Barbara. But I thought my way was better than hers. Now her deal is, okay, I made my point. You still want to go that way? I'm with you. Now that means whatever you're going to get, I'm going to get. And so we've walked that way for a number of years. And in a number of years, and I can tell you that, that God does speak to women first. I, I'm, I'm sorry. This, man, I, it just makes me uh, hurt to even share that with you guys. Because I, I know the ladies are saying, did you hear that, honey? Did you hear that? But when you are in the right way, things happen like they're supposed to happen. When you're out of the way, you can't get God to do anything for you. And you're saying, God, where are you in this? He says, I'm over here. 
I'm over here. The old guy, he's riding in the car, and his wife was sitting by the door, and she said, we don't sit close like we used to. He said, I ain't moved. He's driving. He can't move where she is. She's got to come where he is. God wants us to know, until you get in the right way, I can't take you anywhere. I can't lead you. I can't guide you. And so sometimes you've got to stop doing what you're doing. God, if I'm doing something wrong, tell me. He said, how loud do you want me to say it to you? Because when I'm in the right way, God puts his blessing on it. When I'm in the right way, favor is there. When I'm in the right way, even if stuff is happening that I don't like, I'm still certain that I'm in the right way. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 16, 9, when he says, A wide door for effective service has been opened to me, and there are many who oppose that when I am aware that I'm doing something that God wants me to do, resistance doesn't make me doubt that I'm doing the right thing. Opposition comes with the territory. And the day you start thinking, well, I must have made the wrong decision because people are opposing me. Well, then so did Jesus make the wrong decision. Paul, John, you name them. Are you all there? Okay, good. Do you all say amen once in a while around here? Good. All right, that'd be good because I come from a church that they'll say, preach it, brother, and then they'll say, stop it, brother, too. So <laughs> stay in his way. Stay in his way. I've confronted a number of issues in my life, and I've lost some people in my life. I used to call them friends until I realized unless you agree with them, they're not your friend. And you can't preach racial reconciliation and make everybody happy. We preach racial reconciliation in all of my, all my boys, all four of them married white girls. And I said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and they said, we're, we just believe in your message, Dad. We're believing in your message. I just say, good. Don't marry anymore. Just... And so I said to one of my daughters, bring me a black guy. These guys all look right. I said, look, bring me a black guy. She did. And he was a loser. <laughs> Not because he was black, but because he was a loser. All right, just take what God gives you. Just get satisfied about it. But understand that when you are in the way, the way that he's chosen for you, things happen for you that could not have happened under any other circumstance. I shared it with this, with the uh, cities and friends. Um, in 71, on my honeymoon, my wife and I prayed this prayer. If you're doing anything on the earth, we want to be a part of that. And 30 days after praying that prayer, I got kicked out of the denomination that we were part of. And I couldn't figure that out. And, he's, and so I said, later on, I said, God, what happened? He said, well, you said if I was doing anything on earth, you wanted to be part of that. I wasn't doing anything where you were, so I uh, got to get you out of this. <laughs> so we got in the way. And even though I didn't understand all that was going on, but our words had taken us someplace. The day you open your mouth and you say, God, I want to serve you. Take me where you want to go. Then you need to say, hands off the seatbelt. Hands off the steering wheel. There's a passage in Isaiah that says, there is a river, a, a place of 
where there is no boat with oars allowed. When you get in the boat and Jesus says, we're going to ride, right? He says, yes, take the oars. Yes, sir. Throw them over on the shore. How will I guide the boat? Oh, you won't need to guide it. I'll take care of it. No boat with oars. You want to walk with me? I'm in charge. You want to ride in my boat? I'm the captain. And you'll enjoy it sooner or later. Stay in his way. Stay in his way. Say that, please. Now, this guy, Peter, that we talked about earlier, listen to this. In Matthew 16, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they start sharing all the different things that are going on with the hoi polloi is saying. And then they say, some saying you're Jeremiah, and some saying you're John the Baptist brought from, and some say you're this person. And he says, well, then who do you say that I am? And Peter blurts out a word of knowledge that came by ray of revelation. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter is shocked and Jesus is surprised. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Arjona, for flesh and blood. And I'm so excited because now I think you guys are starting to hear from God. And blessed are you, Simon. Now look, here is Simon who is now being elevated above his homies. And he's looking around thinking, y'all hear that? (laughs) Who's blessed? Who's blessed among here? Who, who, Who is the one? Who the one? And then a few moments later, Jesus says, oh, by the way, I need to tell you, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be persecuted, and I'm going to be put to death, and I'm going to rise from the dead. But all that's going to happen in just a few days. And Peter says, uh, excuse me, come here. He, he becomes the head of the Ways and Means Committee of Jesus' group. And he turns to Jesus and he says, come here, he pulls him aside. Just come, come, come from the guys. I don't want to say this in front of the guys. And he comes over here. Comes. And he says, stop talking like that. Stop saying I'm going to go and die. Have pity on yourself. And while he pulls Jesus aside, and I want you to hear this from the Amplified Bible. Then Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and begin to reprove and charge him sharply. Has has anyone here besides me ever sought to give God some advice? I mean, tell him how to fix something. And here's Peter. And he feels like he's, he's authorized to do that. God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. Listen to this. Jesus turned away from Peter. Peter is talking to him. He's pulled him aside. And Jesus turns away from Peter and continues to talk to him. And says, get behind me, Satan. You are in my way. Now, my first point here was stay in his way, but now stay out of his way. Don't get in Jesus' way. When Jesus is trying to deal with somebody or deal with something, he says, stay out. You are in my way, an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me, for you are minding what partakes not of the nature and quality of God, but of men. There have been times when we have been ministering to people, 
And I remember a dear friend alerting me to this once. He says, I was in a meeting and God was doing amazing things. And a woman came up to pray, to receive prayer. And as I was getting ready to pray for her, he said, the Holy Spirit says, don't pray for her. I'm dealing with her. He said, what should I do? He said, don't pray for her. He said, but she's standing here. He says, well, then I'll deal with you too. Stay out of his way. It may look like you are being as hard-hearted as anything, but once in a while, you don't need to lay hands on anybody. You don't need to pray just because they're standing there. Just because they said, God told me to come to you, that doesn't mean anything. What you need to know is, if I do this, am I going to be in his way? And there are moments in your life when it's not good to pray for people. I thought we should pray for everybody. You should pray for everybody when you're praying for everybody, and you should pray for everybody, but you shouldn't pray for everybody when God says don't pray for him. And let him deal with it. I thought you guys, and they'll, and they'll go off on you. People, do you understand that? People will go off on you. If you don't do what they think you ought to do, they will go off on you. And you've got to decide whether or not you're going to be determined by what they're going to do or what God's going to say when you violate what God told you to do. Why didn't you do that? God told me not to. Why didn't he tell me not to? I think that's the question you ought to raise with God. But don't make me tell you why God says don't pray for you. Go find out. God, why did you tell them people not to pray for me? Well, I figured that way I could get your attention finally. Wow, God's trying to tell you something. I got two more minutes. You're scaring me. <laughs> Stay real. Stay real. I love this passage. Romans chapter 12, Philip's translation. As your spiritual teacher, I give this piece of advice to each one of you. Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. But try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. And then the last one. Stay childlike. Stay childlike. I'm 82 years old, married to an 83-year-old woman, and we have fun. We are not old people. We are elderly, but we're not old. We enjoy Jesus. We enjoy living for Jesus. And if you think that you can be what God wants you to be and be a grown-up, then you're in the wrong church. Listen to this passage, Matthew 18, verse 3. Would you stand with me, please? You know the passage that says, unless you become like a child. Well, the Passion Translation reads a little bit different. In fact, why don't you read it with me? It's, it's there on the screen. Come on, together. Learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable. And learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child. You will never be able to enter in. 
Someone said it like this. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Mahesh Chabda moves powerfully in miracle ministry. And uh, my friend Joel asked him one day, he says, when do you get the greatest miracles? He says, when we're playing, when we're having fun. Why, why is it such a, a difficult thing to believe that God wants you to be mean? Can you, can you cast the demon out with a smile instead of with an ugly face? You have to say, come on, in the name of Jesus, so that you look like the demon, or, or can you say, you're out of here, get out, get out. Just a few days ago, we were in another part of the city, and we are praying for a young girl who has gone through some terrible stuff. And I watched God deliver her, heal her, and it never gets old. It's staying childlike. And we were having so much fun. And they couldn't understand. How can you have fun casting out a demon? Well, the Bible says the disciples returned with great joy. Saying, even the demons are subject to us. So stop. When people say stop playing church, you say, what other church is there? We want to be in his presence. David said, I will play before the Lord. Enjoy him. Come and lift your hands and just say, Jesus, help me to be small again. I need staying power. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.